Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ground Up, uh, the podcast from Databox. My name is Pete Caputa. Uh, today, I have with me two extra special guests. Um, I have uh, Joe Jerome uh, from Brand Builder Solutions. Uh, most of you probably uh, heard from Joe. He's been on our podcast uh, once before, right, Joe? Yep, that's right. One one time with Kathy Hill. That's right. And uh, so Joe and his firm focus on uh, building websites on the HubSpot CMS. He works with a lot of other agencies, uh, and he's been talking up uh, James Robert Lay to me for, I don't know, a long time, James. You're like mythical at this point. So it's nice to, finally, nice to finally meet you. But James runs the Digital Growth Institute. And one of the reasons why Joe talks up James is, uh, and is it James or James Robert? James Robert. Okay, James Robert. Sorry about that. Um, one of the reasons that Joe uh, talks up James Robert is that he's very focused on a vertical market, uh, specifically um, financial institutions, and it looks like it's even even tighter than that. Banks and credit unions. Is that fair, James Robert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, James is with us, and I'm kind of going to dig in here a little bit about his story, how he got here, and and how he, you know, the how how far he's come what kind of services he offers, why he focuses on a market, how that's better for him, how it's better for his clients, et cetera. So that is our, our uh, topic for today. Uh, for most of you or for those of you that know me well, know that I'm a big advocate of agencies specializing in a vertical market. I just think it's the right thing. There's hundreds of thousands of marketing agencies out there uh, and all of them, most of them sound the same. And so by picking a vertical market, you automatically uh, – showing the market that you actually have a, a specialty different than the other 200,000 out there. But uh, James Robert, tell us a little bit about how you ended up specializing in this market and uh, your story of like how you started the firm. The backstory was my last real job was in a punk rock band. <laughs> really? He's wearing a suit jacket, yeah. by the way, everyone right now. <laughs> and when i actually had hair i had liberty spikes believe it or not and um i was a sophomore in college sitting in the library and this girl told me one day she said your band really sucks and i said ouch the thing was is i really like this girl and um I wanted to impress her, and she said, "Do something with your life." So I started this web design company Wait, back when in. When was this? When was that exactly? Two, you were in college. In college, okay. two thousand two. Okay. And I think you know that was like when flash websites were the thing. Skip intro, if you remember those days. Yeah. And so got into it. Started with some like local mom and pop shops, and then got. My very first credit union, which was a JSC Credit Union in Houston, and started work with them, saw an opportunity, didn't realize it at the time to focus in on a niche, but slowly but surely started getting more credit unions, more community banks, regional banks. And then it's when I saw that, I said, okay, we need to niche down double down on this space, but there was a problem. And that problem was as the firm grew, we started bringing in more services. So while we were specialized in a vertical, we became broad in offering. And that put a lot of stress. It put a lot of pressure um, on me, on the firm. 
And I got to the point in 2012 where my wife, we had one child at the time. She was pregnant with the second one. The outside world, things look great. The business was great. But inside, my wife said, it's either me and and our family or it's the business. And so I realized I had to take a step back. And what I did is I had to get some outside perspective. So I brought in David Baker. And he was. I love David Baker. Recourses. Yes. So he was the the precipice into this journey, not only in a vertical, but a vertical uh, with specialized around specific areas of focus okay got it that's cool that's interesting too and i had no idea you're gonna bring that up but um i had a similar uh conversation with my wife and uh a little earlier than that i guess it was probably 2010 i was working at hope so maybe 11 at the hub spot at the time we were living literally 50 miles from the office and i commuted in four days a week uh and so in and if you know boston traffic that means two hours each way and i had a you know hope spot early days was like uh a 70 hour work week regardless of, of where your commute was so i had a similar thing so that was the that was the point at which i stopped working weekends and so i'm guessing that i'm hoping that you you and your family your wife were still together you didn't tell us yes. the, all right so are mine uh, yeah. so is mine yep. she has she, she still tolerates me um and so was would you say that uh that like niching down allowed you to maybe work smarter in some way and have a, live, a, With, live a little more balanced life? Without a doubt. You know, one of the things that David had recommended at the time was you have your niche, but blow your firm up, start over, which was a shock in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And he had made the recommendation, like think of your firm as a room, right? And you have a door that opens up into strategy and then a door that opens up into the implementation or the way that I talk about it, the thinking and the doing. Yeah. He said, don't guide people into the doing, guide them into the thinking. And then if there's a good fit on both sides, open that door into the doing Ah, and you'll create a lot more value for, for, for the firm and really more so for the client. Mm-hmm. And so having that approach, leading with strategy, leading with thinking, um, really was transformative for my firm, but also for myself, you know, coming back to my family, we have four kids. We're much in a much better place. I'm in a much better place personally today um, because it is balanced. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So David Baker saved your, saved your marriage. Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I'm sure he saved a few. The uh, so that's interesting. The uh, the thinking versus the doing. Uh, and so we've all, I think, Joe and I have talked about this too. Like we've all probably learned that lesson in, in, in like from a sales perspective. Maybe it's the the why versus the how. And so yep. when you start selling the how, like the old way, or when you start selling the doing to the client, a lot of times they're not bought into the why, or they're not bought into the thinking, right? And so that ends up being a frustrating experience anyways. I think the challenge is even deeper than that. If you're talking about the doing, mm-hmm. they've already self-diagnosed. Hmm. They, they, and, and, and many times it's like, if you, you don't go to the doctor and say, you know, I hurt my knee, I need right. this procedure done. Right. It's the same. My, although, my philosophy although, is the same. 
people do do that now because they think that the internet tells them what's wrong with their body. But well, of course, and and <laughs> just like I'd be wrong, I'm finding, and it's and it's not that they're wrong. It's just that a prospect coming in they just don't know what they don't know. Right. They don't have that clarity and that's no one's fault. And so that's, I believe that's our due diligence. That's our responsibility yeah. as a guide in their journey is to help, help the unaware become, become aware. Right. Right. With, yeah. A lot of people I think are overconfident from reading. Right. Um, I've worked with some junior employees where um, they're, they've read some articles about how to do something and all of a sudden now they're an expert at that subject. Whereas like someone like Joe who's built, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousands of websites on the HubSpot CMS, like he's got it all. He's got a process. Not only does he know it and he's done it a million times, but he has a process for thinking through every step in the, pro in the, in, you know, from beginning to end. And so um, what you're saying is like, that's our responsibility is to help continue to diagnose, point out the areas where they don't fully understand it and, and, and yeah, if, yeah, and 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 that and the only way we can do that is to niche down into a specific vertical market because then you can start to quickly identify patterns, behaviors. Yeah. Um. And and it, I, I'm you know you talk about children, right? We learn that very early on to start to match patterns and behaviors, and so as we mature, I think we look at the world as this full of opportunity, but we have to turn away some opportunities, say no to really create value. Right. And um, that can be scary. I mean, it's almost anti-entrepreneurial, but that's <laughs> the greatest entrepreneurs are the ones who find focus. Yeah, my my when I talk to agencies about it, my justification for it is like, there's literally hundreds of thousands of you and there's millions of potential prospects, right? Um, but as your agency, you know, given assuming you probably don't have access to unlimited capital for growth, yep. right? Your margins are not eighty percent, right? Probably close. Most most agencies closer to ten, um, right? And so it's not like you can invest in growth uh, from cash flow, and so mm -hmm. there's no way you can solve. You can you can't serve everyone. You just like mm -hmm. like it's physically impossible you just don't have the resources to serve everyone so why would you try to compete for everyone right yeah exactly and i think there's there's something special by focusing on a vertical whether it's financial services healthcare education SaaS, because that will help to increase your knowledge which then you can transfer back into the marketplace mm -hmm. regardless of if someone works with you and it just elevates the entire market um it you you, you it goes from a zero-sum game of looking at other agencies as competitors to looking at them as more collaborators now yep and and everyone everyone wins yeah like if you tried to serve everyone you'd see joe's firm as a collaborator or as a as a competitor instead of a collaborator yeah right? and you actually used to build websites right exactly yeah but but now you at least on the hubspot cms you 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 leverage joe's team to do that yeah the, the because each firm brings an area of focus or unique ability that I think in today's world of disruption, I, I read an article by Blair Inns, Win Without Pitching, an, another yeah. Uh, yeah, another really 
yep. good guy who has helped me. Totally. But I had the opportunity to have dinner with them about a probably two years ago now, but both of them, and that's quite an experience. <laughs> David, sure. David, I and can Blair. Only imagine. <laughs> yeah, but but he wrote an article, and it really hit home. It's like the agency of today isn't this big, you know, hundred person, two hundred person firm. It's really more of these smaller players with specialization. And like the days of the AOR, agency of record, they've gone mm. away because even like, let's just take the study of digital. You have like websites, for example, and then you have PPC and right. there's all these really niche specializations. Yeah, SEO, social that, media, marketing, automation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Video marketing. There's all kinds of specialization. Yeah. It's more scientific. And so that's yeah. where it's like, let's look for collaboration, not competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you guys, how long have you been working together? It's probably, yeah, it's probably longer than I would say. I have, uh, <laughs> I think I'm in, I'm in dog years or something. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right thing, but <laughs> right at this point, it's probably been about two or three years now. Oh, really? If you really I, I want to say about three. It, okay. Yeah. If yeah. yeah. I want to say three. And, and are you a, you're a HubSpot partner too, obviously, James Weber. So when did you become a HubSpot yep. partner? Right about three years ago. Okay. And then you somehow, how'd you guys connect? I think it was through a referral. Um, If my memory serves correct. From one of the spot reps or something? Do you remember, John? Yeah. I had to go dig through all the emails. I remember the first project. (laughs) He had a great process to begin with. I mean, he knows everything about websites. Um, He had a great process to begin with. And... um, I think what we were doing at that point was very, very spec. I okay. think what we're doing now is more collaborative. Like, how can we deliver a better product together? And it's been it's okay. been much better. But sometimes that's how it starts. It starts out okay. Let's look at a spec together. But I see. You know, the way James Roberts worked from the beginning has been excellent, and really, it's an ideal it's an ideal partner for us too, because he's he's gone through the big agency stuff. Yeah, and 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 we've done agency work too, so we both can appreciate the the other side of things. Right. So I understand what he has to do on the strategy side, managing his his clients and helping them, and he understands what what we do. So it yeah. doesn't take a lot of communication to get the right outcome, which is nice. Right. And you've been telling me, Joe, that like the the projects just go so much faster than they do with other agencies because James Robert knows already what a bank or a, a credit union needs on their website, right? And knows how to speak to them about the website and vice versa, knows how to explain to you your team what's needed. Yeah, on, and I think what's I think what's unique about the the, the um, James Robert and uh, and other people who are vertically focused, right? And he's vertically and yeah. and service focused, but especially that vertical focus, what's unique is the, the crossing the chasm, so to speak, that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. In our world, yeah. everyone is servicing, uh, you know, other marketers and marketing groups, startups, SaaS companies, but they haven't been able to get mainstream. And we all know startups aren't really robust on the uh, <laughs> on the bottom line. It's all speculative. So yeah. the performance in the market that's lacking is on the other side of the chasm. And I think that's where we as technologists or and cutting edge marketers and strategists can succeed. I don't think the the be all things to all people folks are gonna be able to speak to the folks 
James Roberts able to speak to in yeah. in a way that's meaningful because they're going to be, because the people in that market are going to be behind his thinking. They're going to be thinking direct mail. They're going to be doing it the way we've been doing it for 10 years, what we might have done 10, 10 20 years right. ago. So, so, so you're, you're, you're saying that the banks and credit unions tend to be a little behind the times? Is that, is that, is well, that true, James Roberts? I'll let him speak to that. I mean, I'm just saying traditionally it's on the other side of the chasm. You know, like when you think of – we deal with a lot of HubSpot folks and they're not yeah. always – in those more traditional markets that are more robust. Right. They're, they tend to serve the companies that are a little more forward thinking, or at least have in the past. But yep. what's your experience, it's, James Robert? I would say it's a, it's a fair statement. Um, I would say the traditionally a financial brand, a bank or a credit union, not fintech, um, mm-hmm. they're going to be operating with more of a legacy mindset that's rooted around branches, a branch network where sales were traditionally done. Marketing was viewed as broadcast, TV, radio, print, direct mail, billboard, newspaper ad. And so what I see a lot of of these financial brands doing is they dabble in digital. Hmm. And so they're taking some of this legacy systems, processes, thinking mindset and applying it to a new way. and that's where the conflict arises. Okay. And so they get stuck in a circle of chaos and frustration and confusion. <laughs> Give us an example like of how they try to take the old way of marketing and kind of apply it to the digital way. I mean, we're talking, uh, we're talking websites, right? Um, take the, the, the rotating banner ad. That's a one-to-many marketing message, and it rotates. And we know through our usability studies – no one clicks on the second rotation. Right. And so that's where right. personalization can come into play. One-to-many message of we're going to blast this email out to everyone regardless of what their intent or need is. So mm-hmm. that's some of the Right, because that's the way they mindset. would do a direct mail piece. or right, They'd run a campaign yeah. that would span direct mail and billboard and ads and that would say one message because that's all they could deliver. Yeah, or they work in these campaign cycles quarterly, but um, that's not how people buy. People buy a car when they need a car. People buy a home when they need a home, not when you're running the campaign. (laughs) Right, right. I laugh because it sounds funny, but you probably have those conversations with a straight face all the time. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at everybody. Not not you, but laugh at your clients there. It's rude. I'm just so used to talking to marketing agencies that are much more like they're looking at that what's going to happen in 2019, and so they, their personalization was 2016, right? 2015. <laughs> uh, so um, you said something earlier, Joe, about um, Robert Lay, like kind of speaking their language, and I was looking at your website, the digital growth digitalgrowth.com. Great domain name, by the way. Um, and paid money for that one. <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah. And so I was reading through, and I'm like, oh, like this is exactly the way it should be. Um, you know, I go to, I go to agency. Like I talked to an agency the other day, and like, yeah, we focus on healthcare and manufacturing and professional services. I'm like, so my response to that is like, okay, so you focus on like half of the economy, right? It's like pretty much half of the economy falls into that bucket, those buckets. Uh, but when I go and I go to their website and they basically just say they help everybody and they might have a page about healthcare and a page about manufacturing. And I think that's one way to like kind of move for an agency that's generic to move in that direction, but certainly not. 
you're st- they're certainly not speaking to manufacturing companies on their homepage like you do. And so I see things like, uh, you know, elevate your marketing and sales strategies with technology and habits to generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Like the average agency would say leads and sales or traffic and leads or something like that. And you're saying loans and deposits. And, and then I saw... Um, down the bottom where you actually have an ebook on your homepage is called the financial content marketing guidebook. Uh, and then you have, you know, leading public publications that feature your insights, such as the digital banking report or credit union times or American banker. And so you're able to actually speak to their needs on your homepage. How many, like when people find you or like get referred to you, like they check that out is like, are they excited to talk to you? Yeah, I, I think it establishes first and foremost its empathy. Yeah. Like I understand you as a financial marketer. You're frustrated. You're overwhelmed. You want to do things, but there's others in the institution who are might be holding you back. You're viewed as a kid who plays with paint and crayons. You're not respected, and so I can approach a conversation with a lot of of empathy. Like I know how you feel because I've talked to hundreds of others just like you. And so I wouldn't be able to have that, just that empathy if I was manufacturing and education and technology, because I wouldn't be able to see those patterns bubble up to the surface. Right. You can actually see the patterns. Yeah. I saw you, you have a call to action on your site. that says like uh, benchmark your digital marketing against 450 plus other banks and credit unions. And so no one else would be able to do that is to, to your point, yeah. right? Without, yeah. without that level of focus, unless they were massive or something like that. Um, yeah. So uh, walk us through, I, I noticed your service offering is a little different too. I, I've been seeing a trend, Joe and I've talked about this one as well, where um, more and more HubSpot partners are moving away from the fixed scope um set of deliverables, fixed price retainer model. It's, and I, and I don't know if you ever went through the HubSpot sales training, which I yep. originally wrote, which was, you know, package up uh, a set of services that like blogging and lead generation and email marketing and like put a price tag on it. If you're going to do it, you know, at a lower frequency. And if you're going to do it at a higher frequency, it's a higher price tag and have a few options. And like, so I'm seeing more and more agencies move away from that to your point, to David Baker's teachings, um, where they're uh, selling the thinking first, right? They're leading with consulting or, um, you know, we have a bunch of agencies actually use Databox to um, walk into a, their prospect meeting with a bunch of data from the client systems that they probably have never seen or understood before uh, and leading with insights around like what's happening and what's not happening. Um, so walk us through a little bit about like your, what you do first. It's because looking at your website, I can see training, I can see planning, but I don't see, and maybe I just didn't dig deep enough, but I don't see like inbound marketing retainers or even, uh, websites. And I know you do that obviously, but it's not what you lead with. Yeah. And, and here's why. So you take, and this is for any vertical market. And I think what, what I'm about to share, it doesn't matter if you're in manufacturing or healthcare or SaaS, mm-hmm. um, education, financial services, we live in a world of constant change. And that change is making people, marketers feel frustrated with all of this change. It's complicated. What do I do next? I'm overwhelmed with all the tasks that I have. And so I'm operating in the circle of chaos 
you can't start talking about the endpoint, the website, for example, unless you guide them through very defined steps. Step one, let's help them gain clarity. Gain clarity into what those growth opportunities are. And the only way to help someone gain clarity into the growth opportunities is through training. Because once they have a better understanding of what those opportunities are, the future's not so scary. It's We operate... We limit our growth opportunities because we're scared to make changes. And I hate that word change. I like improvement and optimization. That changes the entire conversation and the dialogue. Once they have clarity through training, then they can build their courage and and commitment, which Mm -hmm. is multi-department at that point. And the only way to build courage and commitment is through a strategy process. And that's really diving deep, going beyond the academics of training and applying those academics to a specific situation, providing research, insight, and a roadmap. Once they have that that courage and that commitment, then they can begin to build their confidence through implementation of that roadmap. Okay. I'm just going to point out the alliteration here, clarity, confidence, no, clarity, uh, carriage, commitment, confidence. You did that on purpose, didn't you? Yep. All right. So is that good? So you can remember it, or did you pick that? Where'd you pick that up from? I I I gotta I gotta remember something. <laughs> I try to do these things for myself. Okay. So that I can. Well, that was clever. How's that? <laughs> there you go. I mean, I can, we could keep going with the whole season. <laughs> yeah, more seasons to deal with. All right. Um, got yeah, it. Pete, so, you're more like you're more like Goodwill Hunting, right? My. What do you mean? My, you know, my 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 appeal is that I, I I don't have an appeal, right? Is that it? <laughs> James has this; he's got this routine. You say, my my, you know, I'm not following your criticism. You're pretty clever. You're pretty clever. Oh, I got it. Clever. 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 I just started with a C. That's mm. all. I thought it was clever. I like I like um, mnemonic devices. I like mnemonic devices, right? I don't I don't know like in the sales like the sales training we publish website we use the GPCT thing, goals, plans, challenges, timeline. Like GPCT they all rhyme. There's a mnemonic thing to it, so you can kind of remember it. Right? I'm gonna get you off track, so I don't want to do yeah. well, that. Right. Well no, I mean I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add one more to that and yep. it plays nicely into it. I call it grow. And okay. so that's how you can assess where someone's at. Grow is what are their 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 goals for future growth. Yeah. What are what are the roadblocks to R and grow? What are the roadblocks and challenges that are standing in their way yeah. to prevent them from getting to those goals? O and grow is what are the opportunities that they want to capture, strengths that they want to build on okay. during this journey. And then finally, win or W is that what does success look like defined to them? How will they know when they've arrived and achieved those goals? So that's grow. Got it. So goals roadblocks, opportunities, and what does winning look like? I like that. Did yep. you come up with that one too? Yep. Wow. I'm impressed. I like that one. I got to do it for myself. Otherwise, I don't remember anything. <laughs> got it. Got it. You got to do it for me too. Uh, I'm, I'm not that smart. I can't. GCP, TBB, Dumb it down for me every time. It grows better. I like grow. It's funny. I just put together like a – a survey asking people what qualification frameworks they use in sales. And so there's like BANT, there's GPCT, there's Adam, uh, there's Medic, uh, there's Champ, and there's one other one, Faint, that I found. And so these are all like acronyms that people have come up with, and they're all very similar. Uh, we could add grow to that. I think it works. 
but uh, but I I agree that it's important to have these things that you remember them. Um, yeah. And so you walk people through a training. Like who attends those trainings usually? Traditionally, it's going to be a financial marketer. But what I'm encouraging more and more is to bring other key stakeholders to the table, marketing and sales, marketing, sales, operations, marketing, sales, operations, executive team, because what happens is, okay, great. We can empower and educate and enlighten the marketer, but then they have the responsibility to go back in and bring that knowledge to the rest of their organization. And that's a, that's a, Big responsibility. Convincing or compelling as you probably are when walking someone through a course, right? Yeah, and I don't understand. I hear from marketers all the time. They're like, we've been telling our executive team the exact same thing that you just told us. And I'm yeah. like, I feel I feel for you. Right. I don't know what it is, yeah. but um, you keep doing what you're doing. We got your back. Yeah. And uh, we're going to keep elevating your role in the organization beyond frustrated order taker to strategic leader who's guiding your institution to a bigger and better future. Yeah, yeah, that is the opportunity clearly in in banks and and in any kind of company that's been around for a while, where the marketer was basically like you're saying, do running the ad campaign that somebody else probably dreamed up, right? Like building the brochures, like you know, order ordering the pencils and pens that they give away and hats, right? They're yeah, doing the promotional products, and obviously that that is an order taker, order processor, really. And, and, and that's what brings things back to like what you guys are doing at Databox, right? That's quantification. That's mm-hmm. visualizing the data so that someone can actually communicate this with someone else in the organization saying, look, as a marketing team, this is the value that we provided. This is the amount of loans, the leads, et cetera. And so now it's not we spent this money. Marketing moves from being viewed as a cost mm-hmm to an investment because I spend a dollar, I make $2 back, I'm up. Right, yep. That's an interesting point in in going back to verticalizing because back in my consulting days, I had a vertical and a lot of verticals on the marketing side that want to tie things back to a metric. Um, What happens in sales, it's pretty pretty standard, right? Your sales metrics are pretty standard. But marketing is a little bit more nuanced and that's what I, I... not a plug for Databox, but that's what I love about mm-hmm. the, the the where you're going and the product and everything else. And what I love about the verticalization is that you can actually hold marketers accountable mm-hmm. because yes. within a vertical, they have very specific industry metrics that marketers are accountable to. It's just not yeah. leads or conversions or CTA clicks. Yeah. It is, like you said from James's website, it's the amount of um, uh, credit card enrollments, things like that, and those are yeah. those are statistics people bring from job to job, much like a sales team. Right. I was on the B to C side prior with working with big data, and my clients had certain metrics that they looked at. Like, and then when I got to the B to B side, it was really interesting because it was always the sales board, and it was always the same from company to company. Yeah. But and and then what you found is the companies that were. Um, were not data oriented and and more general. They the marketing people became fluffier. They became more like the kid with the crayons that uh, James Robert was talking about. Yeah. And this is this is what then makes the marketers much much more important. And there are, and then what's happened on the B two B side, and, and I don't want this to be too much of a rant, but on the B two B side, sales has become, uh, sales has always been important and it is important, but marketing hasn't been important because marketing hasn't been measurable and hasn't been accountable. Mm-hmm. 
it you're right joe it's it's this the the future is not marketing the future is not sales it's marketing and sales coming together to form an entirely new team that we're calling the growth team mm-hmm. and it's it's unification between these two and it's holding each other accountable not pointing fingers right and, and i guess the point back to when we look at metrics sometimes it's blog post posted so we get into what we do as a an inbound community or whatever how many blog posts and that's important to know if you're being consistent but i, I think it's those finer points in marketing yeah. that are so let's talk about the so like, well, the number of blog posts you publish or the traffic you get even that's like a leading indicator of of potential success but so let's talk about the lagging indicators or, or the or closing the loop i noticed in your assessment james robert mm. you one of the questions is do you close the loop between your actual sales um systems and your in your in your marketing how do you do that or uh, do banks and credit unions are they able to do that that's actually a really big challenge for a lot of them that we've figured out how to solve using a platform like hubspot okay tying that back in um probably the quickest wins and common recommendations that we make out of the gate are utilizing things like a pre-application form Mm -hmm. because what happens on a traditional financial institution site that conversion goes off-site to a third party click here to apply right so you get taken off-site and then you have the rely on this third party's clunky interface hoping that they're not going to abandon that which we typically see 70 to 80 percent abandonment of these third party applications but when you got a marketing automation platform that's mm-hmm. capturing first name last name email address you can identify whether or not someone's getting rerouted from this third party form or third party application back to a financial brands website if that doesn't happen fire yeah. off these internal systems and that's one okay. way to. So you to put a quick forum before you redirect it over to the longer application where they might even collect, you know, sensitive info or whatever. And so yep. they don't. And then you're able to integrate with that somehow so that you know. Oh, you're you're merely looking for the return click back to the site. Got it. That's exactly right. Okay. Yep. That okay. closed, so that's one way to close the loop right okay. there. I Club, mean, there's multiple yeah. ways you can take it offline and online. Of course. Uh, Another thought on that. And I'll keep it brief. Is that what we see with James Robert and other clients who are focused in the vertical is when you're talking about the lagging indicators, the systems they use outside of HubSpot that have to work within it, that, right. that solve those very specific requirements for that vertical mm-hmm. are common. Yep. And yeah. an agency who's all things to all people is going to be like, what is that? Right. And the moment right. that agency says that, they're done. Right. If you don't know that underlying system right. and it's not common language, yeah. forget it. Yeah, and you're, you're not going to think of the, the solution potentially. Right. Yep. yep. And those those other technology stacks that might not be as, as glamorous as what we are all in MarTech. They, mm-hmm. These 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 um the big iron of software within verticals, the, the not so glamorous interface, but is the workhorse. Yeah. Um and could be clunky, but it's highly specialized. Um, good luck if you're not in that vertical right. to start to dive into that. Exactly. Um, you're yeah. not going to be able to. Yeah, there's so much vertical knowledge in terms of being able to execute the work, right? Um, not just help plan it. And it's, walk us through like the range of services that you do, either provide directly or or um, or you know part you, you use a partner like Brand Builders to to deliver, James Robert. 
Yeah, so typically it's going to start off with like a training engagement. We call that the Digital Growth University. It's a year-long program. That's going to then transpire or transform into what we call a digital growth blueprint. So that's a strategy uh, research project, very bespoke. Out of that, it's going to come recommendations and a roadmap. And typically those recommendations are the patterns, once again, uh, persona development, defining a purpose that transcends the internal mission of the organization to where it's about creating value for the customers or the members and the communities that one of these financial brands serve. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to move into uh, building a website that sells, you know, working with like a brand builder, for, ex for example. That's uh, a long-term process because our perspective is, and this is where we, we're, we're bucking industry trends, uh, in the financial services space, they look at a website as a glorified online brochure. So yeah. We're going to look at this as let's build something, let's get something out in about six months. So it's a, it's a modified growth-driven design approach. It takes a little bit <laughs> as longer. As fast as I they're know. willing to do it, right? Exactly. But we're, but that initial launch is still a launch pad site. Okay. We have plans to go back in and optimize that on 90-day cycles. And a lot of that is around uh, content, content production, content distribution, uh, conversion rate optimization, usability mm -hmm. testing. Um, and so that's where a lot of our areas of focus lie once we launch this. And, and, and our ultimate goal is to build what we're calling a digital growth engine that ties the website and marketing automation platform close together. Mm -hmm. Then you have over here, you have some type of, of, of digital advertising, whether it's targeted marketing, PPC, which once again, we're working with other firms on that because it's yeah. not our area of focus. And then over here, you have the sales enablement piece, building up internal systems and process for lead management closing. Uh, because what we're finding, even in digital, the number one most influential source for a conversion comes from getting another human being in touch with another human being. <laughs> right, right. So Especially we believe money in money and human. banks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and so it feels like a, us a high like, risk thing, I think, to an individual, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so so think of us as like the conductor of an orchestra, defining this this strategy, and then working in very specific areas with other firms to bring it all together mm -hmm. to bring it to life. Got it. Did this you say the training? To rewind way back to the beginning, I got all that. But did you say the training was a year long process usually? Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. And then how's that delivered? Is that, is that something you built? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that's actually been, uh, once again, you work in a vertical, you can figure out how things work. Uh, mm -hmm. That actually started as a two day intensive workshop where we would have clients come to Houston. Well, the feedback that we were getting about, I don't know, three years ago was it was like drinking from a fire hose. Retention right. was nominal. Okay. Then we brought that online into a six-month program, still felt a little fast-paced. <laughs> now we've expanded that over the course of a year to where the, the flow is this. One week, it's on-demand classroom session, mm -hmm. and that's broken up into smaller modules. Then they have homework-specific activities. Then we come together mid, like the mid-month, so every two weeks we're meeting. We're spending about an hour together coaching each other and it's more of a collaborative um mastermind group okay. coaching if you will okay and then we just repeat that process over a 12-month period so that it's not overwhelming it's right. more paced out yeah it's kind of like yeah, sales training right sales. where i used to go to sales training you'd sit in a classroom for a week and then you throw everything at you no coaching right no thinking of how to apply it to you what your day-to-day -day looks like and then you go out and you remember two things right <laughs> 
Yeah. Sounds very I, similar. I think the other I think the other big thing that take that comes back to training and uh, vertical focus is the ability to build a community mm-hmm. around a common purpose. Um, so do your clients collaborate the... in that class then? Oh, that's cool. Yes, they and do. they're non-competitive because yes. I'm guessing they're from different regions or something? That's exactly right. That's cool. And so we're all on this journey together. We all have something to bring to the table, and that's where the the group coaching collaboration and the private community uh, online is a is a way to share that knowledge, that experience, and and really just elevate everyone once again. That's cool. One one of the things that's interesting too, and I don't know if we we've covered this in in working with James Robert, is one of the areas that people are having a lot of success in adding the value when you when you talk about working with your brain or working with your hands right the doing mm-hmm. versus the thinking the best way and what he's done and i don't think it's come up yet is he'll he'll work on the how the client thinks he just won't teach but he'll work on how they think that's one thing i've noticed is he's he's asking them questions mm-hmm. so they're they're thinking on their own more um yeah and 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 leading their own discussion with his expertise. And if I have that wrong, James Robert, please correct me because I thought that was fantastic about your no, approach. It's it's spot on. It's like it's one thing for me to tell you what to do, and odds are you're probably not going to do it, or if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with some resistance because change is hard. But if I can at least ask the right questions to help maybe you come to that conclusion, you self-actualize what the next step should be, it is. It is, it is, it is thinking about your thinking and, and, and encouraging those. And like, like this, I mean, this is a tool. We call this a digital growth filter. Okay. I mean, these are, think, these are thinking tools that are very low-tech. They're a, a worksheet. worksheet. Yeah, it's a simple worksheet. Yeah. yeah. But it'll it forces, say, a VP of marketing or a chief marketing officer to sit down, break free from the doing, right. get back to the thinking. And then also, because if you think of this model that we work in, it's a triangle. And you have the, the thinking or the strategy here. You have the doing or the implementation up here. But that's only two elements of this. At the other mm-hmm. end of the triangle, you have reviewing and reflection, which is just as important because these three points all connect together because it's that review and reflection, which then informs your next round of, of thinking and strategy and right smack dab in the middle of the triangle. That's your enlightenment. That is your, that's your training because in every single one of these points, you should be learning something that helps elevate on the next round uh, of this process. Got it. That's awesome. You clearly have, put a lot of review, reflection, thinking into your process. It's really, really impressive. I know now I know why why uh, Joe's been been bragging about you. Um, so Two process nerds, stuff. right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and and he, it's a feat, by the way. <laughs> he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't tell you about the, the hundred dollars that I paid him under the <laughs> table, huh? Yeah, no, I don't think that was it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you paid me? Oh <laughs> but, um, um, so, gotta buy the so we, we, I see the value, the significant value that you're providing to clients, um, in, in helping them rethink their strategy and taking a, a, a you know, a very established industry with a very established way of marketing and selling and kind of bringing them at their own pace, but probably faster than, certainly faster than they would by themselves. 
uh, but bringing them into mm. the digital age where you're actually helping them leverage, you know, all the different their website, of course, the ads, uh, marketing automation, etc. So I'm impressed. You're obviously doing good work for them. Um, and and Joe tells me that it works. So and so so it's clearly well, clearly working. Question for you. Um, what's it done for your business? So, you know, you almost got divorced because you're working too much and not to harp on it, sorry, or make light of it, but where are you at now with the business? Clearly you have a lean model, I'm guessing, because you, you leverage a lot of partners, but like, give me mm-hmm. some kind of factoid that, that, that convinces other agencies that they should go down this route. I mean, I probably shrunk my staff down like 85% mm-hmm. uh, to get to this point because I, I don't need the, the quote unquote, the bodies to right. do the work. I feel like there's more value by working with other firms that that's their area of expertise. That's their specialization because that gives us the ability to do more research, to stay ahead in this industry to then backfill and transfer the knowledge into the clients that we're working with and not even the clients, but just the industry as a whole, because it's us being that trailblazer out on the leading edge. Yeah. It sometimes it gets lonely, but when you look behind you, you look at far, how far you've come, you look at how far your clients have come and you say, wow, we've made tremendous progress because if we keep looking ahead at where we're going, it's like, Oh, we still have so much to do. I like to measure progress by looking behind yeah. at where we've come, not where we're going going yeah. next. Got it. Got it. Cool. And Pete, he yeah. thought he had to give me $100 to, to say that. But <laughs> here's the deal. Um, the, the frustrating thing can be is when, when it's good to sing the praises of what James Roberts is doing because um, I could wind up divorced. If I don't look at people like James Robert, right? Because and because in it's the, the only thing keeping I, Joe and his wife together. No, <laughs> well, and other folks this way because what what will happen is if um, the people we work with don't get it, right. we're it's going to be it's, it's going to be you. very hard yeah, to yeah. get through um, uh, and be successful. You know, at the end yep. of the day, and you're gonna you're gonna waste a lot of time and. Um, that that's it at the end of the day. Yeah. That's why it really works. It's interesting on this. I don't know if you listen to our podcast at all, James Robert, but on this, we try to tell stories of companies like how they started with humble beginnings and like now they're, you know, they're, they've achieved some level of success. And usually people are like, yeah, I went from like, you know, me in my dining room to 30 employees or, you know, I went from, uh, so, so, something like that from five clients to 50. Right. And so you've clearly had lots of clients over the years that you've helped, um, but it's different for you uh, in that. And then there's a lot of people I think that would re- that I know that are looking for what you have, which is like, uh, like I'm assuming here, but like a calmness and a confidence that you can you can just you running your business in a way that serves you and also serves your clients. And that sound might sound silly, but most that eludes most small marketing agency owners and that eludes most marketing consultants. Um, you know, you're, you're right. I am, I am healthier. I am happier. Uh, I would say, yeah, even, you know, calmer with, with myself and, and the team that I work with my clients. Um, and, and a lot of it was just getting out 
and figuring out what my unique ability is. And that, I mean, I'm in another coaching program right now called Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Mm -hmm. And um, that has been very, very helpful to give me time every 90 days to step out of my world and think about my own thinking. Yep. Um, because it's, I'm just, it, without that, I'd be just as guilty of getting stuck in the doing. And so we have to find people, resources, friends, colleagues to hold each other accountable. Cool. That, that calmness too is nice, especially for me, because I'm very calm by nature, as you know, Pete. James doesn't know how calm I am. Right. But when we when we work together, it's really nice because he doesn't come and say, well, how do I do this? How do, yeah. He's not always asking, how do I do this? How do I do this? How, mm -hmm. What he's asking is, here's what the situation is. Here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And mm -hmm. we get things resolved pretty pretty quickly. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. it's just through Slack. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice and efficient. And that yeah. that takes someone like me who's so calm and makes me makes me calmer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all optimizing for calmness. And, and it's very selfish of me, but yeah. it, it really no. But I get it. That, it that makes approach. You want to work with you're him right. Most people more and help him. Even most people more. come and say, "What do we do here?" And and by by saying, here's the situation, Stranger. here's what I think, and what would you do? Like that, that's a, a certainly a, a better approach, and like I believe it. Um, so I'm gonna end there. I'm hoping what we accomplished today wasn't necessarily what we set out to accomplish, but I'm hoping what we set out, what we accomplished today, has made people think, uh, step back a little bit from their business, from the doing, and uh, and think. I certainly took that lesson away. So thank you, Joe, for making this connection. That was awesome, and thank you, James Robert, for taking the time to to share your, your insights and your story with us. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.